Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the stupendous Suzanne Cabral, the boisterous Ben Madden, and the dashing Daniel Markwig. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Jared and Tomas, and we're going to talk about rival parties in your games. Before we get to that, though, we're going to ask a get-to-know-a-gnome question, and today's question is, tell us about someone else's character that you absolutely loved gaming with. And, Jared, I'm going to start with you. Okay, well, other than all of Ange's characters when we've been in games together, which, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to exempt because we're both on the show here, I am going to have to go with our friend John's character, Charples, in our uh, Eberron game. Charples was a hard-bitten gnome reporter who had written an expose on Zalargo politics, and just out of the blue, while they were chasing down stories, he would come up with these half-told stories where he didn't quite explain how he knew things, but it was just like, <laughs> you knew he had some things going on in his life. Like, you, you looked in the Eberron Dictionary <laughs> of Noir, and there was Charples. Oh, yeah. Charples was totally that, you know... The rumpled suit, and oh my gosh, there was just so many good exchanges with that character that I had. Especially when I was playing the other gnome that got burned by his book, and he kept ending up having to go to him for uh, <laughs> favors. That was great. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, Charples was great. What about you, Tomas? What's a character from somebody else that you loved? Well, that's a weird question for me because I am mostly a, a all-time GM. Um, but the few times that I got to play as a player, I will say that in one of my latest uh, games, I played with a GM that decided to make, I don't know if you know about this video game, uh, Danganronpa. It's like an anime-style game in which everyone is cornered in one school and has to kill each other. And there are 14... <laughs> students that all have weird different abilities and that meant that we were 14 players that the gm had to manage first time gm that was crazy but i got to play some kind of antagonist in, in that game and that was extremely fun to do and there were a, a bunch of other players i'm not going to choose one because there were many uh, <laughs> but it was really fun to mess with them and as i was playing some kind of antagonist because i was working with the gm mm -hmm. uh, on the backstage i could like backstab them in some ways while also uh, like manipulate uh, their actions to kill each other in some other way uh, or maybe uh, go at night and uh, mess with their heads while they were trying to plan some kind of plan or <laughs> decide if, if they could trust me at that kind of school area. <laughs> well, I, I really like playing antagonists. Uh, that's why I, I'm always a CM. <laughs> For me, I'm going to call out my friend Woody's character, Boris. This was from a Supers campaign we played several years ago. And initially, Woody wasn't going to be playing with us because it was summer. He was going to be busy a lot of his weekends. and He just wasn't going to be around enough to make a character to be part of that campaign. But then things changed and he was able to join us. And rather than making up a you know character for him on the spot, our GM gave him one of the NPCs because we had a whole bunch of metahumans that had been kidnapped to be experimented on that we rescued. And so he just gave him this one character, which was a simple strongman named Boris. 
And, like, Woody just usually makes these very complicated, very competent characters, and Boris was not that. (laughs) Boris was very simple, Boris was very straightforward, Boris was there to help, and he was usually going to make things worse. (laughs) We had a situation where I was trying, my, my speedster was trying to rescue one of our teammates from a hospital where something had gone wrong, and... Boris decided to cause a distraction by throwing a car from the hospital parking garage at the FBI van that was parked in front, but he didn't roll very well, so the car he threw went through the lobby of the hospital instead. And so we ended up in the papers as this metahuman incursion attacking the hospital. And then there was the time where he was driving, he was also a repairman, so he was a mechanic. And he was using a van that he was working on, and he basically got stopped at a roadblock and, you know, was able to talk his way out of revealing himself. And the authorities at that roadblock basically went back to check on something else. And he's like, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here quiet. I will Flintstone it. And he basically shoved his feet through the bottom of the van, picked the van up and walked away with it. And I'm like, this is this is oh, this is a amazing. character he never would have made <laughs> on his own, but he was so much fun to interact with. <laughs> so let's get into our main topic. In a recent episode, we mentioned how hard it can be to make a rival party work in a game. I believe it might have even been the last episode when it was the three of us talking. It might have. Yeah. It might have. <laughs> so we thought this would be a fun topic to tackle. Rivals and frenemies are a common trope in many of the genres that we play, so it can be frustrating to try and make that work and then have it fall flat. Or just to have your players murderize the heck out of these interesting characters that you designed to be long-term NPCs. So, let's talk about rival parties. (laughs) Jared, why don't we start with you? Why would you want to have a rival party of NPCs in your game? Rival parties are great for just creating that continuity of the game like when they first show up you can have a lot of fun with them but when you can get the same people showing up at different times and you can have that reaction of oh them again or even you know oh how you have you have have you guys been you know that gives you that feeling that this is kind of a real world and there's somebody else there doing what your pcs are doing maybe not as well not for the same reasons but you know the rest of the world exists, and once in a while you run into it again. And hopefully those characters make enough of an impression that even if the characters aren't happy to run into them again, the players are happy to run into them again. (laughs) Tobas, have you ever tried to pull a rival group of NPCs into any of your games? I have on some occasions, because what I really enjoy doing with rival NPCs is trying to create some sort of reflection from the original party that is maybe a bit better than what they are, or maybe worse at what they are doing, or maybe they were following a track and just... uh, They followed two different decisions uh, at some specific moment, and you can see what the players could... The player characters could have been Mm -hmm. if they have chosen that decision. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So uh, that kind of thing... You can use it on rival parties. Well, not necessarily rivals, but maybe friendly in some ways. And another thing that I consider very important when using other parties, NPCs, 
is that they are not on this world. They are not the only ones trying to do good or mm-hmm. evil or whatever they are doing. Mm-hmm. I do think an important distinction there is you don't necessarily want your rival party to be fully realized enemies because that does lead mm-hmm. to your players murderizing them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I uh, <laughs> Years ago, uh, now it was two rival groups, but they all had players because we did a two-table game at an event and like we set them up as rival parties each led by a separate brother from the same family so they had bad blood between them and the whole thing was is they were coming at the same goal through different directions through this dungeon and they would both arrive at the same time in this dragon's lair mm-hmm. and me and the other gm our whole thought was they'll end up fighting together to defeat the dragon that is not what happened. That is absolutely not what happened. They spent far more time trying to kill each other to the point that the dragon was like, why are they ignoring me? It's a nuisance. It was just like, this was interesting. This was fun. This was not what we expected mm-hmm. to have happen. And what's really funny is, is a lot of times, one of the things I was going to suggest, if you do have that rival party, and you want to keep it from turning into just obliterating each other, is to do, like, the bigger threat, you know, situation. Mm -hmm. I remember this, given that I just recently did this uh, review. I'm still fixated on this. But, like, thinking about, like, this really early issue of G.I. Joe, they introduced the October Guard, which was the the Soviet version of G.I. Joe. And they were both trying to find this aircraft that crashed in Afghanistan and, of course, they both ended up having to fight Cobra. And so there was this reason why you just didn't see them wipe each other out. It was because, okay, we've both been kind of duped here and they ambushed us, so we're going to have to fight our way out of this together. And that kind of set up this ongoing story in the comic where the two groups would kind of get into a skirmish, but they ended up always, you know, helping one another out against someone else like Cobra. And that made it like this recurring thing where it's like, oh, there's this other team that is like them. Kind of like what we were saying, where it's showing Mm -hmm. more of the world that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. That's a trope you also see a lot in superhero stories, Mm -hmm. where you have two superhero teams that meet and clash and fight each other until they have to join together to defeat the bigger bad. Mm -hmm. And superheroes is a great genre to do the rival party in because... Depending on the type of superhero, you know, thing that you're emulating, they're probably not going to kill someone. They might get into a fight with them, but they're not just going to, like, just go straight in and go for headshots and kill people off. Mm-hmm. Um, depending it, upon your players, you depending may need on to your remind players. them of the tone. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when I was running DC Adventures, the premise of what I was doing was the Teen Titans and the Justice League were gone, and so the PCs were working for Amanda Waller, and... They were, you know, going around doing all these missions, trying to fill in for the Justice League. Well, the Outsiders were still there, because I figured they're not going to overshadow the group too much. So I kept having, like, Geoforce being this loudmouth that just did not get along with the team. (laughs) And every time he showed up, it was just like, you know, we've been doing this so much longer than you and we can handle this. And it was another one of those things that was kind of a nice callback there where they kept running into Geoforce and they'd be like, oh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not these guys again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I in my Waterdeep heist campaign, I set up a rival team, and a couple of the characters on the rival team were basically enemies 
from the characters' backgrounds. So it's like, I forgot the specifics, but our warlock, you know, had bad blood with one of them, <laughs> and one of the rival team was an ex-member of the City Watch that our rogue had run into before. But then the other members of the rival team were neutral or friendly, which basically helped prevent the players from, like, they would trade barbs and they would argue, but it never devolved down into, you know, open bloodsheds on the streets of Waterdeep with that yeah. particular group. <laughs> no matter how much they wanted to just do that to the, you know, ex-City Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. And considering every, everything that we were talking about, I was also thinking that uh, another trope that sometimes appears, mostly on superhero stories, is some kind of villain that has to work with the player characters mm -hmm. or the protagonist to defeat a bigger evil. Mm -hmm. That can be a very kind of fun tale to tell, uh, in which you have maybe faced this villain before, and now you have to work with him or her or whatever to face something greater, and you can always have some clashes during uh, this alliance. And that can be a ton of fun to, to play out. It, it makes me show my age by talking about the original Secret Wars run in the 80s <laughs> and yeah. how Magneto appeared with the heroes. Mm -hmm, and none mm -hmm. of the heroes understood why Magneto was with them. And like it led to all this tension because he's a villain, but he's with us. Why is he here? And exactly. you know, of course him leaving because they were all being jerks to him. So <laughs> I had a, an 80s X-Men flashback too, but it, this was... When the uh, Hellfire Club and the X-Men had to team him up to fight Nimrod, who was like this oh, yeah. super sentinel from the future. And that was kind of a neat issue there, too, where you have these two groups that just absolutely did not get along. And then here's a sentinel from the future that just wants to murder all of us. Mm -hmm. I think an important thing for GMs to remember is when you're introducing that rival group you want them to be competent but you don't want them to be more powerful than your pcs mm -hmm. that yeah. can tread into gmpc territory where you're just showing off to the players it's one thing if it's a single bad guy and you know it's a bad guy they're gonna fight and defeat in the end but when it's a rival group that you want to set up as recurring npcs in the game don't make them overpowered. I usually try and make them on par, on the same level as the PCs. Yeah, the same level is the right place for me. I even, like, uh, I had one campaign where the rival party that I introduced was actually obviously lower level than the main group, and they were almost like puppy dogs, where it was just like, <laughs> we just got our group together, and we've heard about all these things that you've done, and we're all excited to be adventurers, too, and you know, and it was this, it, it was kind of this fun, like, every time they would be around, they would be exasperated by them because it's like, oh, it's this younger group again. And what kind of trouble did you get into again? Yeah, that's going to be a ton of fun. But yeah, it was, that was kind of a nice dynamic there too for the, the rival team. <laughs> and they were kind of rivals because they were sort of trying to take the same jobs. But there was, you know, like, the leader of the group was a uh, paladin of, of Sunni. So he was like always super nice to them. It's like, gee, <laughs> I'm really sorry that we're going to be taking the same job, but wouldn't it be neat if we could actually, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I really want to create some kind of adventuring party that is extremely uh, fans of the adventuring party of the <laughs> characters. That could be a ton of fun to play out as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, one of, one of them is one of the is cosplaying as one of the pieces. Oh, that could be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I need your autograph, please. 
Where did we go to battle? One of the other things that I kind of like is um, when there is like political reasons for not engaging the other party. Yeah. Like, you know you don't like each other. You know that they're probably not good people, but you're both working, say, for the same kingdom. You know, mm-hmm. that you both got hired to do this job. You're not necessarily working together, but you're kind of doing the same general things, and it would be very bad for your continued employment or, you know, your, your profile in the kingdom of, say, these people just never came back out of the uh, forest again. <laughs> but, you know, they are that sort of other force that you just don't, like and you know maybe it even makes you question your kingdom a little bit that they keep employing this other group <laughs> that you know exactly. is an issue <laughs> so i'm currently setting up uh setting up i already ran session zero an eberron campaign where the characters are all being hired to go on an expedition to zendrick for exploration and all of yeah. that the plan is is that the the benefactors of this expedition are hiring two parties worth of characters. <laughs> so I'm setting up this rival party from the beginning, and during session zero, I had each of the players tell me about somebody else who was there to apply for this expedition. I don't plan to use all of the characters they outlined, but like some of them are definitely going to end up being in the other group that gets chosen to go. <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm like already setting up this rival party where I hope it to be a mix of, you know, wow, I really hate that guy and <laughs> okay, this person annoys me but they're my friend or okay, I really don't like the people they're working with but I really like her. <laughs> you know, like I'm hoping to set this up from the beginning. And I love, you know, sourcing that from the players because then they have kind of a vested interest in those people that they gave you some answers about there, too. Yeah. yeah and a very real reason to hate them. If, yeah. If that way. <laughs> well, and the other thing I was thinking is, this is another trope about that, like, what if you hate everybody on the other team except you have someone you were old friends with that's on that mm-hmm. team? Mm-hmm. Or even you have somebody that you are a potential love interest with on that other team so that's I part of why, that. you know, you're kind of softening that tone with the other team, even though they just drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this may end up being a little too subtle for what I'm planning, but one of the characters that was suggested was a knight from Seer. And basically the character who's playing a Valinar elf, mm-hmm. actually half elf Valinar, was talking about how they kind of were traveling at the same time on the same route. And they kind of argued a few times because the Siren blames the Valinar for abandoning the Sirens and allowing the Day of Mourning to happen. Mm. And so, like, that player is already like, oh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that player isn't going to listen to this podcast, so I'm safe to talk <laughs> about this. But anyway, that player is like, oh, yeah, that guy's a jerk. Well, that Siren is trying to get on this journey because he believes the cause of the Mornland originated in Zendrik, and he wants to help find a cure for his homeland. So it's like, it's this character who has legitimate reasons to want to be there yeah. and do these things, and like, his rivalry with you, it's just, it's just petty. It's yeah. nothing that should affect <laughs> either of you. But, mm-hmm. 
that doesn't always mean personalities are going to click. <laughs> like I said, that may end up being too subtle for the campaign, but it's my plan right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, it, it depends on a lot of different genres that you look at. Like, um, I was just thinking how, like, in a Star Wars game, this is easy to set up with, like, bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. Especially since bounty hunters usually are working for a guild, so they're not supposed to just off each other, but they can definitely be going after the same bounty. Yeah, or something like maybe Cowboy of for example, that all mercenaries everywhere, and it's really yeah. easy to have them come back from one point to the other. Mm-hmm. That kind of Western uh, space yeah, opera. Yeah, you can, you can even set it up in like a James Bond spy, Knight's Black oh, Agents yeah. type of mm-hmm. game, where you've got a rival group of agents that are maybe coming close to the same information or same targets that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's like supers, it's easy. We've talked about supers. D&D, <laughs> it's easy. Mm-hmm. If you think about any game where there's a reason why these characters are working together to go on a mission and do things, there's always a reason for some other team to be on a mission mm-hmm. and go do the same things. Uh-huh. Playing on, sa- on that same vein that we talked about before, that is maybe a bit a uh, corner case on the rival party thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe just having someone from your backstory going with the antagonist team, for example, or the enemies, mm-hmm. and have a real reason to be with them. So that uh, player character that is maybe a brother of that person that is with the enemies, uh, a cult, for example, has to meddle in some way to have them get out from that situation. And those are the bad guys. Why are you with them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is one of my favorite rival party kind of stretching the definition a little bit, but not too much, I don't think. Episodes of Deep Space Nine is during the Dominion War when Sisko had the baseball game against the Vulcan captain that he never got along with. (laughs) And that was just great because at the time, you know, it was just this idea that Sisko, that you, you know, this is your primary captain in the series. And just this idea that it felt like he didn't hate this guy. He wasn't evil. He was Starfleet. But he was just too perfect. You know, it was just this Vulcan captain that is just too good at everything. That just got under, you know, Cisco's skin. And they end up basically resolving this by having, you know, a game of baseball. That, I love that episode. <laughs> I think it's important to, like, judge how your players are reacting to these characters. Because if it's not yeah. working, it is okay to have that party just disappear. Oh, yeah. You know, don't keep forcing them on your players if your players aren't enjoying their interactions with those characters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that the great spot is to have them be extremely great characters in a way that your players love having to confront them in some way, but that their characters hate them or abhor them and <laughs> just uh, get in, in fights very often. But every time that they come in, is like, Great, we ne- we now have a reason to face them again. I've never done this, but it could be interesting to have your players in an encounter or a situation where they are in over their heads, and the rival group comes in and ends up helping them solve the finish <laughs> oh, the situation or yeah. deal with it. So it's like they hate these people, but they have to be grateful. <laughs> you don't want to do that too often. No, you know, no, one, yeah. it's it's. Deus Ex Machina, you don't wanna you don't wanna GM fee out your players all the time. But it can be an interesting character moment if you play it the right way. It's also a good one of those uh swerving away from a TPK moment, like when you know that everything is going wrong for your PCs 
and they know that everything went wrong in this mission, and they're thinking this is it for these characters, that's when you have the rivals come in, and then it's like... (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) Yeah, think about any time that Superman has come to Batman's rescue. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Or maybe have the adventuring party have to maybe uh, get some MacGuffin and at the last second the rival party appears to take it and get away with it. <laughs> That's another oh, great that, trope that, to have. The Belloc move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now maybe that the, could totally lead to bloodshed. Yeah, the, the player characters maybe are fighting with some big evil monster or something like that and in the background you can see the rival party going out and grabbing the MacGuffin <laughs> and running away with it. Tipping their hat and running away. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think we've said pretty much everything we have to say on rival parties unless there's something more you two would like to add. No, I just think like like you were saying, if it's not working, don't force it. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun with it. Don't make them more competent, more powerful than your characters and if it's not working, just just let them disappear. <laughs> it's easy enough for them to hear about them, like mm-hmm. getting eaten by a dragon off screen, <laughs> <laughs> and probably would be much appreciated by the players if they really didn't like them. Or maybe on screen, but like in a cinematic way, you can see them in the background getting eaten by that dragon. <laughs> This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can be a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website, the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by. Our harmony need a rival to spice up your life? Then look no further. Looking to be betrayed by a childhood friend that becomes the enemy? We've got that. Need a rival with sexual tension only to be resolved in the last season? We've got that. Need a rival that your imaginary audience will love more than your main character? We've got that too. Our harmony for all your rival needs. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Mystery Mark, we have Phil, Bob, and Sherry live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside game, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Gnomes, do you have anything else like you'd like to give a shout out to this week? Yeah, actually, besides going to whatdoiknowjr.com, which is where you can see all sorts of other things that I write that don't end up on gnomestew. Green Ronin has just started a Patreon to fund the development of the Twilight Accord, which is going to be a new D&D 5e setting, which is about plane-traveling adventurers that are called to seek out queer folk across the multiverse and basically give them access to this uh, fallen city where they feel this calling to come there and belong and away from any of the things in the multiverse that might harm them or keep them from being uh, who they are. I think this is a really neat idea. Basically. They wanted to Patreon fund this because they didn't want this development to get pushed down the road too far. They wanted to start working on it now. I've seen some of the playtest material, and the playtest material that comes out looks a lot like what you would see like in Unearthed Arcana. It's formatted a lot the same way. Obviously, they have people like Steve Kenson working on it, who is mm-hmm. very used to you know working on some great RPGs. So I would recommend checking that out. Yeah, I was really mm. excited to hear Steve Kenson was working on it because he's the guy behind Mutants and Masterminds, <laughs> which is one of the loves of my life. So, Tomas, do you have anything you want to give a shout out to? Something that I would like to make a shout out to is maybe uh, Wizard of the Ghost, Call of the Netherdeep by also Critical Role, that plays out everything about what we talked about on this episode. 
that is rival party. So if you're looking for that kind of game or adventure, that may be your best bet. We'll definitely have a link to all of this stuff in the show notes. I want to give a shout out to Bridget Jeffries, who's a previous guest author on Gnome Stew, who's been doing some awesome stuff with Symphony Entertainment, which is focused on horror RPG stuff. She is also going to be in an upcoming actual play for Chaosium's RuneQuest. Details are in the show notes. Sounds great. Cool. And she's awesome. Just She's a delight to game with. So I highly recommend, if you're into actual plays, give that one a chance. <laughs> so, do you think we avoided the stew this week? Or can we trick the rival party into getting into the stew instead? I think now that we loaded up all of those other bloggers from the other sites, I don't think there's room for us. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. I forgot to fill this part out, so I'm going to record it later and you can fit it in, Rob. I'm really sorry. I didn't even notice that until I got to the point where I was going to read it. So, yeah.